Today, our show is sponsored by Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months of use. Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective doses so you get the most reliable results. And no matter your stage in life, they have a solution. Nutrafol women's formulation is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair loss caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, or environmental toxins. Their other formula, Women's Balance, is for additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code SELFIE to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. Today's episode is sponsored by Somavetic. Somavetic is a device that combines an Eastern approach to health and wellness with modern day technology. If you have a lot of devices in your home, as most of us do, then there are hundreds of signals floating through the air at any given moment. This is called EMF, and some people are really sensitive to it and believe that it can cause some not great things in the body as a result of all of these free radicals bouncing around. If you're concerned with the unwanted influences of electromagnetic radiation or geopathic zones, you'll appreciate Somavetic. Somavetic devices rely on frequency therapies and the healing powers of precious and semi-precious stones and metals to create a natural energy field to harmonize your home. It does this through the controlled release of energy from precious and semi-precious stones. It creates a 360-degree field with a radius of 100 feet in all directions. The founder of Somavetic launched these devices in 2011 as a response to his own ongoing health struggles. After years of no success with Western medicine, he turned to traditional Chinese medicine and found a variety of healing properties with stones and minerals. After some time, he was able to heal his body and has helped others as well, and his experience inspired him to create Somavetic. If you're interested in mitigating EMFs and creating a harmonic field in your environment, these devices are a great solution, and they are beautiful. Each device is comprised of their own semi-precious stones with unique properties. Somavetic is a small company, and all products are handmade and hand-assembled in their Crystal Valley, in the Crystal Valley of the Czech Republic. If you want to try Somavetic, they have a 60-day money-back guarantee to let you try. Visit somavetic.com and use the code SELFIE for 10% off. That's S-O-M-A-V-E-D-I-C.com with the code SELFIE for 10% off. Hey, everyone. I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey guys, well, today we are going to be chatting with Brooke Baldwin. She is a journalist and TV host who hosted her own show at CNN since 2008. She recently announced her departure and she has written a new book. Her book is called Huddle, How Women Unlock Their Collective Power. And she and I have a great conversation about women empowering other women. But first I'm going to do a self-care chicken with Rue. Hey, Rue. Hey, how are you? I am good. I'm good. How's your self-care been for the last two weeks? We just had a little spring break week. Yes. um, Well, I'm so excited. I got the vaccine. I got my first shot. Yay. Yes. And it was a – the way that our state went is that it opened up ages 16 to 45 at once. Oh, that's a lot of people. To yes. get through at once. Yes. And so it was it was uh labor intensive, but 
I got an appointment and then someone canceled. So I got the first Pfizer and I'm waiting for the second Pfizer and I am feeling very hopeful. I feel like I, what you said in a recent episode about getting the vaccine, I am feeling that. Yeah. You know what I mean? About like just hopeful and excited Mm -hmm. and the sun's out and, you know. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not um, letting my guard down, but I am feeling hopeful. Do you have any, like, you know, once you get that second shot and you're two weeks out, is is there like a bucket list item that you want to do? It's interesting. I don't know because I don't, like, I feel like the CDC is still unsure yeah. about us. Like, yes. could I still carry it and spread it to my kids who are unvaccinated? Yeah. So I'm... I mean, I'm working right now on this work pro- on a work project where I am with other people in a in an enclosed space, and in order to make that happen, um, we are everyone is tested three times a week, and we have to adhere to like really specific COVID protocols. And so, I think I'm going to stay with those COVID protocols, but yeah. I'm waiting to see what the CDC says because. You know, with two kids with asthma, I'm just, I'm a little, I'm still a little worried about spreading it to them. What I yes. am concerned about is extended family members, um, you know, that are maybe uh, on my partner's side or my side that are hearing mixed news and do not want to get vaccinated. And then it's like, ah, uh, well, then we're going to have to keep distancing, you know? That's rough. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so excited about the vaccine, still cautious, no bucket list items yet. Um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, still being careful because this work project, which I'm really enjoying, but it is time consuming and draining. Um, but it's, it's amped been up good. right now, huh? Yes, yes. And I probably have another, I guess another month or so of it where it's this crazy schedule and then I, I get to sleep a little more. So, so yeah, otherwise I guess, uh, I'm tired, but optimistic. (laughs) (laughs) Good. How about you? How's your self care? Well, I just, this just feels like me coming in and whining about my health. (laughs) Well, that's, that's, that's valid though. Yeah. Here we are. But like, dude, aging. I mean, like, I just feel like there's a new thing. Every week, and like my body just feels so frail. Like I'm, I'm buying a new mattress because my mattress is like killing my back. Like my mat, if my mattress is like more than seven years old, I guess I have back problems now. Oh my gosh! But um, I just discovered I have carpal tunnel syndrome. <laughs> oh no! Which is so from, lame. From typing? Yeah. It's uh, actually, I think, from my mouse. I think, I mean, typing, yes, but it's, um, I use a mouse on my desktop. I use it to edit the podcast. I'm clicking it a lot, you know, for different things. And just the way that my hand sits, I think it's just done some damage. So part of my self-care now is I'm trying to find creative ways to reduce my time using a mouse or even mm-hmm. like on the computer. So, you know, how can I voice enter things? How can I type less? I'm being on my phone less. I mean, there's a part of me that's like, did I give myself carpal tunnel from looking at TikToks and swiping? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, well, I mean, you use Voxer, which I feel like is a nice way to I do. I use Voxer I mean, with are there friends like and stuff. Um, but yeah, my assistant and I use Voxer, which is helpful um, for all of this. And so, you know, she can kind of dictate to me what emails I got, and then I can voice answer her back how to reply, and she can type it. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's, and maybe, maybe it's a little bit clunky, but it is, I mean, your but... wrist health is important. Have you looked into, I'm sure you have, like all the ergonomic mouse pad mice yes desk so setups. i have a new weird mouse on the way um i have a sling or a, i guess i don't know if that's what you call it it's not a sling a splint i have a splint mm. on the way which is supposed to really help especially if you sleep in it but yeah you know it's it's one of those things where it's like you kind of got to take care of it or surgery is the next option so right I got to take care of it. And, you know, it's it's definitely like, a, okay, I am on my computer too much. Like, this is not healthy for a human body. You know? Yeah, yeah. Going to try to get away from it a little bit. So, yeah. What do you have for two thumbs up today? I'm going to sound really pretentious. Um, okay. 
I'm having like a really good skincare season. Ooh. Like I feel like my skin. So I posted, and I don't do this often, but I posted two photos of me on my Instagram recently in the past couple weeks. And I did not edit my face. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like I didn't, like I'm, my face is doing good things for me right now. I always deal with, like I deal with hyperpigmentation because of the melanin. And if I get a little cut, I, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. I have like these darker spots. But uh, just generally speaking, I've noticed over the past few months, my skin has been serving me well, which is, you know, it's, it feels like a nice little present after, um, you know, dealing with like masks itching and like yeah. little mask rashes. So I am using two different things that I think maybe are helping with that. Um, one is the Ursa Major Face Balm, which is nice for summer because it's really moisturizing, but it's not a heavy cream. Mm-hmm. And it, so it smells really nice. It's super clean. And I just kind of press it into my face like I see the TikTok influencers do. Oh, you're and such an I've, influencer right yes, now. Yeah, I just press it into my face mm-hmm. and it feels really good. And it's a small bottle and it probably lasts me four months. And then the other is the Paula's Choice 2% liquid exfoliant. Don't get the big bottle to start. There's like a, a smaller, like one ounce bottle where you can try it out. And I I do the press into my face at night after I wash my face. And it's this, I like it better than the one from Drunk Elephant and the one from Sunday Riley. And it's a lot cheaper. And now what is it 2% of? Uh, I want to say like AHA, B, one of the, one of the HAs. <laughs> Oh, it's I not, see. It's salis, salicylic acid. Yes, yeah, it's a BHA, a BHA uh, exfoliant. And so it's supposed to, you know, even the skin tone mm-hmm. and, you know, it's just supposed to be improving skin texture. Which And, and do, you use, do you use the Paula's Choice at night and the Ursa Major in the day? Well, the Ursa Major is just a, um, a moisturizer, so I'll, I'll use it both, but I'll okay. use this at night. Um, and I was doing it like three times a week. And now I kind of just do just about every night. I'll press it into my face before bed. And I feel like it's been, it's been nice. I, I was debating getting the super pricey stuff because, you know, I've been investing in my face, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I don't have to right now. I mean, this so, Call's Choice is $10. That's yes. really reasonable. Yes. And I, I really like it. And it's, it's very, it's just a liquid. So you have to, you know, it's not like a cream or a, mm-hmm. a serum. It just kind of shakes out into your hand and you press it in. And again, I sound like I'm really patting myself on the back, but I'm very excited about what my skin is doing for me right now. So I'm going to keep going with this. Heck yeah. And then I want to add something for like hyperpigmentation. And then I think maybe I'll, you know, I'll have hit my holy grail. <laughs> I believe in you. How about, how about you? What do you have? Okay. First of all, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but it took me forever to discover this, although my daughters use it, which is the Libby app, which is the app that you can like access your library, your local library through. Have you tried this app? I I haven't and I I need to. I don't know what took me so long to get on board because my girls have been using it and navigating it forever. Um but, you know, it, it takes a while because you have to the books you have to put them on hold. And so, you know, you're not going to get your first choice book like right out of the gate. You know, a lot of the books have like two to three month waiting lists. But now I'm getting like books dropped every day. You can put up to 10 books on hold at a time. Um, and then I have been using it for audiobooks, which audiobooks are expensive, you know? Yes. Um, and I don't love, you know, having to keep the, the um, memberships. And I just, I haven't loved you know, the other options for audiobooks. I love this, that you can try a book. If you don't like it, you can move on to the next book. And so I've been listening to audiobooks like nonstop with this thing. Well, my kids use Audible a lot. Like we have a membership and then we stop the membership and then we paused it. And it is expensive. I mean, even if you have, especially if you buy a la carte or whatever, they're super expensive. Yeah. It is. It's really expensive. And especially if you have, you know, a number of children who love to read like we do. Like, I mean, my girls truly, they use, they, they are avid Libby users. They go through probably five to 10 books a month. I could not afford that on right. Audible. Are you, are you, um, so are, do they put it on hold of the library and then you go pick them up or? Oh, no, you just put it on hold on the phone and then it downloads to your phone. 
Oh. Yeah. Well, if it's digital, why is there a wait? I don't know. I, I guess, you know, that's just, they actually loan it to people and then you have to turn it back in. So huh. you only get the book for like two weeks. Got it. So it's Got still it. a virtual loan. It's interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I'm loving it. I, I have read slash listened to more books in a month than I have like all of last year. Oh, that's exciting. I'm going to, I'm going to have to download it on my phone and my girl's phones because lately, because it's been so nice out, they'll do this thing where they'll each take their phone and they have headphones or they'll do it while they're doing chores. They'll listen yeah. to an audiobook while they're doing yes. chores and it's really nice. So I think yeah. this would encourage that. I think your girls would really like this. I, I have to say whenever I talk about my kids and reading, um, I do have two other children, but those two children are not interested in any of this. <laughs> that's okay. You got, you know, you got, you got two out of four. That's a good, I tried. That's a good yes. Um, and then my other two thumbs up is just a random, but you know, you were on the TikTok train long before me, but it is, I find a lot of joy on TikTok. Yes. It is it definitely is self-care for me. I just feel like it's accessible and it's just generally positive. You know, people aren't having wars on TikTok. But there is one account that I am particularly loving. It's called Very Gay Paint. And it's these two guys who paint like kind of hipster murals, like artsy, you know, half rainbow murals. Um, they're really good, but they show themselves removing the tape. <laughs> Have you Hold seen on. this I'm, one? I just, I'm, I'm watching it right now. Are you? Yes. I mean, oh, just so good. It's so satisfying watching them because they'll do like, you know, a wall of like lines, you know, or zigzags, and then they'll just film themselves dramatically and often, you know, with a little twerking, removing the tape. And it's so satisfying and entertaining and just fun. I love it. Well, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of their art is very much your aesthetic. Yes, it very much is. Yes. I would actually love to hire them and come pay to a wall in my home. I think you'll also, because you kept saying so satisfying, there is a TikTok account called So Satisfying. Oh, and and is it like people cutting things? Yes. And I don't know why I like it so much, but like slicing soap. I don't know why... It's so good. I don't know. Like, it feels like it, it feels like I've discovered that I have a weird fetish. And I don't, I don't know. Like, it's not sexual. And yet I can't tear myself away. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Maybe I should have. Maybe I've already, maybe I've shared too much. Maybe I'm going to regret saying that. But I, re- I really like that account. I have a random TikTok question for you. Yes. Okay, so you were on it way before me. I finally got on it. When you were on it and you kept telling me about it, I was like, yeah, it's okay. And now I'm like, oh, this is the jam. Like, I love this. Where do you think Gen Pop is? Like, has has everyone on TikTok now? Or do we still sound crazy to half our listeners? Um, I think people, I, I would say that there are not a lot of people north of 35 on TikTok. Um, <laughs> Uh, that that would be my guess. I mean, there are, and they like, and if you are on TikTok, they hashtag the nonsense out of it, like moms over forty or over fifty on TikTok or yes. whatever, like you know Gen X on TikTok, um, because it's very much a Gen Z platform, and I, I really like. I'm a very much a big Gen Z fan. I think it's so fun. I think it's super fun too, and I don't make content on there. I'm only consuming. I was making content and then I decided to make it private for various reasons. But I was, I was, and I liked it. And now I will do it and then I'll, I will uh, download whatever mm. I've made and send it to people that have no interest in watching them. That's the thing. You can tell when someone doesn't like really get TikTok because they're like, oh, I can't read the comments because it opened up in a browser. They haven't even downloaded the app when I've linked so it to them, true. you know. Uh, and sometimes the comments are the best part. So totally. All right. Well, coming up next, we're going to be chatting with Brooke Baldwin. We've talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. 
Tritinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tritinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines, decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better, and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones, and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So with two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white pastel neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. All right. Well, Brooke, thank you so much for joining me for this. So you are the author of a new book, Huddle, How Women Unlock Their Collective Power. Um, I'm so excited to chat with you. I'm a longtime fan. I'm a total CNN junkie. Yes. We love that. I feel like you have like, I have celebrated every New Year's with you (laughs) for several years. Oh boy. (laughs) Oh boy. So fun. My favorite. You and Dawn are just my favorite every year. Like, I mean, how- you, you should see, I mean, you should see, maybe it's a good thing. The cameras stop rolling. Like we finish, we finish television, especially the, all those years, like eight years we were in new Orleans. And then we would just go hit, you know, a gay bar in town. Don and his partner would lead the way my so now husband and I, and we would like close that place out at four. I believe it. I don't know who we thought we were, but yeah, I, it's so, well, you know what you, you got to let loose when you can. Life's short, man. Life is yeah. short. You have a serious job. You, yeah. You better let loose. I Although I, I did kind of love, I mean, I know this year was different and probably not as fun, but I did yeah. kind of love oh, the, the pajama PJs? party. <laughs> I was like, guys, is there a way any other New Year's Eve, you know, so to be good. able to just 
rock some silk PJs, have a little champers and just stay put. I will say like, if I've taken anything from COVID, it's like, I'm never wearing high heels again. Dude. I am only living in leggings and sweats and I am my best self. And I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. Real talk. What Real are you talk. wearing on the bottom right now? Jeans, oh, hiking well, boots. Okay. I mean, most days it's like when I'm doing TV because we're basically now in a broom closet, AKA a flash <laughs> studio. And I'm sitting there with like looking professional top up. I call it like the business wardrobe oh, mullet. Yeah. So sure. it's, you know, professional on the top, even like I will throw on a dress on the days I'm not like shaving yeah. and I will have jeans on and a dress totally on top. On and I'm dump. not the only anchor that does this, by the way, no. just like. And with clogs or sneakers. I don't know if I'll ever go back to jeans. Like I'm in elastic waist pants on the Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with jeans. I'm okay with a zipper, (laughs) but that's, I'm drawing the line at anything with a heel. Forget it. You know? So funny. When's the last time you wore heels? Never. (laughs) March 13th, 2020. Exactly. Really? I I don't think I've worn heels in this pandemic at all. Yeah. I mean, where am I going? Nowhere. Free the feet, free the feet, man. <laughs> okay. So you, this is your first book. Yes. How did you find the experience of writing a book? It's, it, it was like a whole other job, right? So I did my day job, which, yeah. you know, the news cycle was insane and think <laughs> nothing goodness. happening. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> during super that period. slow during, yeah. during the last, during the last two years. So I had a lot of time. No, but oh I, 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 I was very intentional about carving out this time and it yeah. only made me better. It made me yeah. show up more present as myself having interviewed all these trailblazing women yeah. and asking more for what I want in my day job. And I yeah. hope readers take, take that, you know, from, from the pages. Totally. Well, I really loved, um, you know, I'm a research nerd too. And I Mm -hmm. just loved the journalistic eye that you brought to a really personal book. You know, I mean, it's part memoir, part, you know, part research. Um, And I would imagine with your life experience, as you're thinking about like, okay, I'm going to write my first book. There's probably so many ideas that you had, like, what am I going to narrow in on. Yeah. And I'm curious what led you to narrow in on this kind of collective you know, cooperative female empowerment. Totally. I think I knew from, I I knew from the get that I wanted the book to be about women. I truly believe like outside of, you know, representation and power and access that women are one another's best asset, best resource. Mm -hmm. I really, really have always believed that. And so I think, you know, the biggest compliment anyone could ever give me is being a woman's woman. But what did I do in my, you know, early twenties, I went and landed a job in an industry where I am surrounded by a lot of dudes. I, you know, the most paid and Mm -hmm. um, just higher in like anchors are Mm -hmm. men. Mostly my bosses uh, are men, my executive producer, the co-pilot of my show for a decade, a man. And what do I do and sit on TV and talk about for the most part, then our nation's most powerful men. All right. So Cut to I'm covering the 2015 2016 presidential election. I'm crisscrossing the country rallies, presidential debates, and my 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 journalistic spidey sense is like boop 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 boop. What's going on with all these women showing up? Yeah. Really with a really just showing up and caring about what's happening in the country, and not just because you know they were hoping for the glass ceiling to mm-hmm. be shattered, but for for a multitude of reasons. Mm-hmm. A lot of women showed up for Trump. A lot of women showed up for Bernie. And so cut to the Women's March. I'm in Washington, have my journalist hat on, covering the thousands of women who show up in their pink hats, yeah. you know, the day after the inauguration. And yeah. I had a moment, Kristen, mm-hmm. where I was like, holy shit, if I may, you know, th- if I weren't there covering the Women's March as a journalist, would I have a group of women who I would show up with Mm. and protest with? Mm. And the answer was I didn't. I have had extraordinary singular women in my life for years, but I got into a career that was very lonely in my Mm twenties. So I was like in random cities alone. Mm -hmm. And that was an aha moment for me. It was a, I need to understand what's happening with women in this country Mm. slash I need to find a huddle. 
yeah. as I was standing there really in the middle of this giant huddle. And then the last thing I'll say is through the course of writing this book, I talked to a number of women history scholars who just really educated me on the rich history of huddling among women in America, particularly among, you know, black women. And mm-hmm. we talk about, you know, we talk about how women showed up in Congress back in the 1950s mm-hmm. and were lobbying for, you know, against crime or for civil rights or education. And uh, of course, had their role in voting rights acts. And then to today, you look at the, you know, indigenous women yeah. fighting in the climate justice movement, Black Lives Matter, founded by three Black women. Mm-hmm. Um, to just Moms Demand Action, which is the largest grassroots huddle in this country. I just believe that huddles weren't being covered enough in our history. Yeah. And I want to change that. I love that. I love that so much. And it, it resonates so much with me personally, because I had a similar moment where I realized like, I didn't have that squad. I didn't have that huddle. How old were you? I was um, 35 and a new mom. Yep. And I imagined when I went into motherhood that I would have that community, right? Yep. But I just circumstances in my life, a job change, a move, yep. you know, some shifting um politics and you know, friendships lost and I was it gets away from you. Alone. I was alone. And um I ended up and I, I've talked about this in the podcast before, but I ended up kind of almost creating a community with a couple other women by just being really vulnerable and awkward. And like asking them out. Yes. And that's exactly how you have to be. You have to, you have to, because it doesn't always come naturally. I think that there are natural places where women huddle, like and you find it, like I was a theater major in college and that just naturally, you know, we would all, you know, be friends and be around each other. Yeah. But when you're in a, an isolated career yes. or like I'm a writer, so I'm just sitting at home all day. Yes. Um, and so I reached out to a I reached out to about 12 women and about six of them said, I'm good. Are you serious? Yeah. Listen, not all women are huddle-tastic. Not all women are in it to win it. And it's important to recognize that and move on. Or they already had their thing, you know, but, but the funny thing is this, the five women that responded are my very best friends now. We're all writers. We, we are, we call each other cheerleaders and ass kickers because we will, you know, we will cheer each other on, but we will also call each other shit. Yep. You know, we, we have written each other's book outlines. We have, you know, um, and it's just been such a, yeah, it's just been such a beautiful thing. And so I just resonate so much with your book. Um, but you know, it just, it was something that was really missing in my life and I had to create it. And I know that you had that experience. I think that's totally normal. And I lay it out, you know, like, as you said, my book is, Mm -hmm. I'd say like 80% journalism, it's 20% memoir. And I come from, you know, I I, like in, when I think back to girlhood, you know, I was doing all the like ballet, tap and jazz, gymnastics, soccer, swimming, like did all the things was surrounded by girls, loved, loved being around girls. But then, yeah, you cut to your later years, Mm -hmm. things get away from you, life, babies, husband, wife, whatever it is. And you suddenly like wake up one day and you're like, as I, as I explained very vulnerably in this one section of the book. And I'm like, wait, why am I turning to my mother in my thirties when I, where are my girlfriends? And it really made me stand at attention. And I did not get my group of girlfriends together until in one room until I was 38. Yeah. 38. And through the course of this book, I explain like how to, sometimes people have huddles under their noses and you just have to activate them and you have to put yourself out there and you have to be vulnerable and you have to ask. Yeah. And it's good on you. I think we think we have this idea that like our friendships will just come organically. Nope. And they don't, I don't think they do. I think that sometimes you just have to like put yourself out there and, and in the same way that anything that we want in life, any goal that we have for ourselves, we're going to say, I'm going to make a list. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try these things. I'm going to try and fail. Um, I don't think we apply that to friendships, which is unfortunate or, or even relationships with other women. I think, you know, we want it to just like float up and happen. Yeah. Eminatu So and, and Friedman write all about this in the book that came out this past year called Big Friendship. And mm-hmm. they treat their friendship like like a marriage. Yeah. Like they went to therapy 
to fix their friendship. And we just have to be so intentional. I think, especially as we get older and we get quote busier, you know, we have to be so careful uh, about just nurturing those friendships Mm -hmm. through everything. And especially in a pandemic, which is forcing us to be physically apart. You have to be even more intentional about that. It's hard. Okay. I want to have you read a little section of your book. If if that's okay with you. Drum roll. Okay. Um, I'm going to show the cover too. I haven't, I read mine on Kindle, so I haven't seen the cover. Here we go. This was um, shot by Mary Ellen Matthews in COVID in the pandemic, safe, safe, socially distanced book cover. It was just so wild um, that we were able to pull that off. I wanted a woman to shoot it. Okay. So I'm going to read for you. This is actually the beginning of the epilogue. Writing this book has changed my life. Even as I type these words, I have a sneaking suspicion there are more changes to come. Learning to huddle has made me a better advocate for myself and my fellow sisters. It has encouraged me to use my platform to amplify more women. It has sharpened my senses to hear the voices of women, to really see their struggles and victories. It has made me a better student of the history of female contributions in America and beyond. It has made me a more supportive and collaborative colleague, and it has made me a more present, vulnerable, and supportive friend. When I started this journey, traveling around the country, interviewing these powerful huddles of women, I thought it would be a pretty straightforward process. Book a plane ticket, do the interview, write the chapter, on to the next. What I didn't realize was how much this would differ from my day job, how often the line between journalist and subject would blur. In each of these interviews, whether they realized it or not, these women were holding up a mirror to me. As they were speaking about their own plight, my inner voice started to whisper to me. Sometimes the interview would end and I'd turn off the tape recorder only to experience my interviewees turning the tables on me. (laughs) They'd ask me questions about my life, my career, my voice, my huddle. The very first interview I did for this book with the judges in Houston cracked me wide open. The armor I often wore at my job, the one that allowed me to cover so much death, destruction, and political division had had to come off. Even before I met the judges that day in Houston, I realized in the airport that this would be the first time in my career that I would jump in headfirst to follow a story that wasn't for my employer. And the nearly three-hour conversation I had with those judges that day was so different from any five-minute live interview on my show. I got to dive into the deep end with them. Not to mention, those judges challenged me to believe in myself and this project. They brought me into their huddle, and I left feeling the spirit of something bigger. As a woman, I saw that I had access to this incredible resource, and it felt more important than ever to tell the story of this powerful phenomenon and share the lessons I was learning with women around the world. Slowly over the months that I sat with so many women, I started coming more into my own, at work, at home, in my huddles. The process almost felt like osmosis. By surrounding myself with so many huddle-tastic women, I slowly began to evolve into a stronger version of myself. For example, things that had bothered me pre-huddle, a coworker, a cause, a complaint, could no longer lie dormant within me. I had to take action, and I knew I had a network of women who would take action with me or at least help light my way. I love it. Mm. Thank you. Did you have any idea when you started this book, how much inner change would happen for you? No, no, no idea. I mean, I've been a journalist for 21 years and, you know, you get out, you tell the story, you Mm -hmm. interview. I mean, I have interviewed the most interesting, extraordinary people, ordinary Americans in extraordinary situations, famous people, you name it. But there was something about this this journey of interviewing these various women. Like I say, it was like osmosis. It's it really stirred something deep within me. And I felt so just in alignment with why I'm here and what I'm supposed to do. And if I can share that feeling with one woman who's reading this book, man, I've done my job. Yeah. I love it. You know, one of the things that you mentioned in the book is the fact that you, you know, as you're interviewing people, you're realizing that this concept of huddling in communities of color is much more normalized. Um, It's, it's happening. 
It's, it's, and I'm curious because I, I found that to be true in my own life as well. It seems like white women have been acculturated a little bit more in isolation. Yeah. Like we, like this is not as natural for us. It's a, it's a revelation for us where I think many communities of color are like, uh, We've been doing this right. for like, centuries. Totally. Why are you writing a book on this? Yeah. Yes. Like yes. what, what, what is, why do you think that is? S- such a great question. And that's why I really dove in and early in this book, you know, talk to my first huddle on, on this journey. And we I put it at the beginning of the book with the, with the, the black judges in Houston. Yeah. Um, let me back up and check my white privilege right yeah. here and right now. And what I am about to say is only through my lens coming from you know, a white woman born and raised in, in suburban Atlanta. But I will say that two things. One, on Black women, they do have quite a rich history of huddling, which actually predates slavery, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the women I talked to said, obviously, um, out of necessity, like we were all we had is what mm-hmm. uh, one of the Black judges said to me. But then I talked to Morgan Dixon, who helped found Girl Trek. And she said to me, no, Brooke, it went before. It came before slavery slavery because, because of just a shared love and desire to huddle. You think about you know what Black women have done for years, raising households, fighting for civil rights, civil rights act uh, in, in, in the sixties to the million woman March in uh, the, the late nineties, which was in Philadelphia, which brought about, and was totally grassroots organized, right. To better yeah. black communities in America. Same, same number of people that showed up to the, to the women's March in 2017, but that was 10 years prior. Um, and you look at black women today. I mean, we talk, I talked to Stacey Abrams, you see what she and other black women have done mm-hmm. uh, with regard to the state of Georgia, flipping it blue for the first time since 1992. And as she shared with me, she's so selfless. I mean, she's a woman, she is a woman who subscribes to the belief of sharing the wealth. Yeah. And after she was minority leader in the state house, you know, for years and years, she got really good at fundraising. And, and so she got to the point where you got to share the resources. And so she did that with a number of other black women in Georgia who had the same passion for fighting voter suppression and for flipping the state. And look what they did, right? Look what they did. You look at the three black women who founded Black Lives Matter. This is, Mm -hmm. you look at black sororities, you look at links, you look at just various organizations through the years. And so it's been strong. Yeah. On the flip side, I talked to this women's studies professor at Duke, Kristen Goss, who talked to me about white women. Cause I'm like, Am I crazy that I'm just really picking up on this as I've been covering the 2015-2016, you know, election and I'm noticing all these women show up and it turns out I was I was onto something. She described to me there had been this huddle drought in yeah. the 80s, 90s and 2000s. So when you think back to like, you know, culture tells us, all right, Betty Crocker and 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 you know, um June Cleaver were taking care of the home in the 1950s, but actually it turns out they were like hopping the white picket fences and showing up at, you know, uh, women voter leagues uh, groups and showing up at Congress and testifying, and then you know ultimately act- activists and protesting and bra burning. But then they went to work, mm-hmm. and then it got, got quiet. Mm-hmm. And so for essentially my entire lifetime, I was born in 1979. There's been this huddle drought among white women until yeah. this last decade, and now you're seeing so mm-hmm. many white women show the f up. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting to me, just culturally, I mean, my background is in psych, you know, just thinking about the differences in collectivist versus, you know, individualist societies. And Mm -hmm. America is very individualistic. Mm -hmm. We've got this, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, every man for himself. And I think that has been ingrained in us, you know, at at a kind of cellular level. And I think even in the pandemic, we're seeing how that plays out, you know, how some people feel like, okay, there's a social contract and caring for each other in this pandemic where others are like, yeah, you know, figure it out for yourself. I'm, I'm going to do me. I'm free. Yeah. Um, and I do think that a, a lot of us are, are seeing the real inherent problems in this individualistic society that we've lived in for so long that we've been steeped in. And we're starting mm-hmm. to look around outside of American culture and go, maybe, maybe this collectivism is, is something that we should be looking into. I don't know if it was this 
my this huddle ethos that I, if you can't tell, it's like my practice, it's my religion. But through this pandemic, which really started with, you know, having COVID that first mm-hmm. month that we were all yeah. kind of locked up through now nearly a year. I don't know about you, but this has made it is I have never wanted to connect with with people more than when oh I gosh. cannot connect. Totally. And so I think if anything, this time has taught me how important it is to link arms with one another and also, yeah. you know, right now get creative uh, and and work out ways to still be in touch with people like we are on Zoom or over FaceTime and make plans for the future because yeah. To me, connection, especially I was as I was sitting in my sick bed, like connection has never been more important. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I completely agree. I mean, it's funny just thinking back to like, you know, a year and a half ago and just the things I would say no to. Like, why why would I have ever said no to a girl's night? What what did I have that was so important that I couldn't show up for a girl's night? Like I would die for a girl's night right now. I know. Dying to see my girlfriends. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Why would I say no to that? Um, I'm curious about this too. You know, you are, you are in a male dominated industry Yeah, and I would imagine that there can be a temptation for female anchors, female journalists to feel like each other's competition because Mm -hmm. ultimately, you know, in some ways you are Yeah, and how, and that's true in my, you know, in my world as well, you know, I have a lot of other writer friends, blogger friends. And at the end of the day, we're kind of, you know, we are each other's competition in a weird way. How have you fought that? How have you navigated that so that you are making space at the table as opposed to elbowing each other out? I am going to borrow a line from my friend, Ava DuVernay and say, I don't want to be at the party alone. Yeah. You know, when I was interviewing her, I'll come back to me in a second. But when I was interviewing her on the set of Queen Sugar, which is this Oprah Winfrey network own network show, it's in its fifth season. Every single episode is directed by a woman and many of them are women of color. And I was like, Ava, you know, this shows the smashing success. Why are you sharing the love? Like, why don't wh-? you know, I was asking her this. I was just curious how she was going to respond. And she was like, Brooke, I go to so many she, as a black woman. She's like, I go to so many of these Hollywood parties and I don't want to be at the party alone. And, and so as a result of someone like Ava lifting up women, many of these, many of these women haven't had opportunities to, you know, direct uh, TV series like this. And now she's launching them into like network superstardom. Yeah. And so for me here at CNN, listen, obviously early on in my career, and I talk about this in my book, uh, sharp elbows everywhere. Yeah. Local news, network news. I have lived it. I have experienced yeah. it. I make the conscious choice to say F sharp elbows. I make the conscious choice to leave. You know, when people back back in the before times, when people would actually be in an office building, I would leave my door open mm-hmm. and I would let any woman, any anyone, but a lot of women would kind of trickle through. And I can't tell you how many conversations and advice I, I, I've given to other women to help them. And I just believe yeah. in abundance mentality. Um, I believe in how Megan Rapino says, you know, once you have power, throw down your ladders. I've been doing this a long time. I have what I consider a dream job and hell yeah. I know that many women would elbow me out of my spot in a second and give me a minute, you know, I'll give it, I'll, I'll give it to them. But like, I want to have a collective. I want to have a bigger table. I want to help women pull up a seat. Yeah. And I've felt, I actually am maybe a unicorn in that I've always felt that way. And I remember when certain women in my career had sharp elbows, I was like, I know, what are you doing? Shocking. Yeah. Why can't we share? Why can't we yeah. share this together? Yeah. You know, and I have learned I'm not Pollyanna, but I just believe if I promote the huddle, that energy is, is around and other women, it's contagious. Yeah. Huddling is yeah. contagious. Being good to other women is contagious. And that's just yeah. the, that's my ethos. Full stop. It's contagious. And it's like, you know, not because it's a means to an end, but I do believe that when we approach our occupation that way, you end up more successful. Totally agree. You know, you really do. I mean, I, I think that what you, the energy that you put out into the world comes back there's a study that backs you up. It's the Harvard Business Review um, recently said, you know, if, if women in particular have a network of other women at work, that you are more likely to succeed, you are more yeah. likely to have a higher salary yeah. if you maintain that work huddle. 
Well, I mean, I'm sure you have found this too, but it's like when suddenly women start talking with other professionals about salaries, like when you get that vulnerable with one another, Yep. because so many women are so tight-lipped, but like when you talk, you negotiate better. When I know what, you know, my colleague is making, I can walk into a room, you know, and demand. Do you share that among your huddle? Do you talk about? Yes, we fully talk numbers. See, good for you. Good for you. It's so taboo. I remember standing in my girlfriend's home a couple of years ago. She was about to go and she's in TV. She was about to go into contract negotiations. And I was like, listen, sister, I'm going to tell you how much I make. I knew it was more. I was almost like in embarrassed. Why should I be embarrassed? I've worked my yeah. ass off, but, yeah. but I wanted to arm her with knowledge to go in, to mm-hmm. have the conversation with her boss, totally. to know she is worth more. Yeah. And I actually mentioned that on my show. This was a couple of years ago. And I had other younger women come to me saying, and I don't know how my employer felt about you know me doing that, <laughs> but, but still I had, uh, especially younger women would come to me and be like, Brooke, thank you so much for saying that out loud, because you know what, now I'm talking to my, you know, yeah. some of my colleagues and yeah. I'm realizing that, you know, I'm making $20,000 less than they are. And I'm yeah. going to go and do something about it. Totally. It's, it's, especially it's as empowering women, because we're notoriously underpaid, you know, if Tell we're not talking, it. it's just going to keep happening. Yep. That's the only way. Preach. Okay. Something that I loved that you talked about in the book, you know, as a, as a therapist was you talked about the power of shared trauma and huddles Mm. that are, you know, built around that. Talk to me about that. Yeah. I, I talked specifically, I'm thinking of these two young women who I talked to Morgan McCall and Amanda Thomas Shaw, who were two of the Larry Nassar survivors, right? Larry Nassar, the USA Mm -hmm. gymnast doctor in Michigan, um, who is now locked up thank God Thankfully. for a very long time, yeah. but they share, they were two of the survivors. And in fact, I, I, I wanted to read this for you and, and for everyone listening and watching, because Amanda said this to me specifically, because they all, all of these women had the courage, despite what happened to them to stand up in this courtroom and to read these victim impact statements. And so this is why I wanted to talk to, to Amanda. This is what she said. Larry, the thing you didn't realize when you were sexually assaulting me and all these young girls is that you were building an army of survivors, an army of survivors. And so these women bonded yeah. over this shared horrific experience, but as a result, were able to come together, were able to have justice prevail, to mm-hmm. lock him up. And now, um, you know, they hold one another accountable, Wh- whomever it may be. These women were the specific women I talked to, but just how they, they said to me, we always show up for one another. So yeah. when it comes to various trauma, in this case, sexual assault, you know, mm-hmm. they make sure we always call each other back. Um, we go to one another's doctor's appointments. We, we always check in with one another. And the fact that you are not alone, even though you feel alone in the trauma at the time. Yeah. You have to have a huddle. These girls told me, you know, if you have a huddle, it's just so healing. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I I know that that has been true in my own life. And I, you know, I have seen that to be so true in recovery communities, in um, survivor communities, that just when we can be vulnerable and and group, um, that bond is really powerful. And I'm not a subscriber to like, everything happens for a reason. And that's why you have these yeah. good friends. Like, yeah. no, I mean, you know, I don't wish trauma on anyone, yeah. but I do think that something redemptive out of that can be really powerful bonds with other Agreed. people. Yeah. I do a podcast on self-care. How is huddling self-care? How, how is this a part of self-care? Cause I believe, I believe that it is. Huddling is self-care because actually let me read not to geek out on research, no, but it. here you go. <laughs> Harvard, Harvard nurses study. I just wanted to get this right. So I wrote this down. Harvard nurses study, which is considered the largest and longest running study on health and wellness ever has found that women who maintain friendships are healthier over their lifetime and less likely to die of specific diseases like cancer. I mean, I was talking to Emily Fawcett. She's a nurse at Lenox Hill in Manhattan. She was in the, th- in the throes of it during COVID. And mm-hmm. she was telling me the story. She has a huddle. She has a huddle, of course, at work among nurses, mm-hmm. m- mostly are women, but she was telling me the story. She was, her, her closest huddle is of her girlfriend since college. And you know, these women were there for her when the worst was happening, when yeah. Emily, you know, had to see five different people die in a single day. And she called up one of her um, members of her huddle and, you know, the, 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 the girlfriend just like held space for Emily and let her weep, 
right? Mm -hmm. And Emily was saying to me that just even in terms of science and mental health, when you're huddling, it does something like it releases some sort of um, chemical in your brain when you're laughing, when you're crying, you know, it lowers your blood pressure. Yeah. It, your heart is healthier. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but um, that's just what I've read about yeah. how it is beneficial to your body. It absolutely is. It's so interesting. I I had read it. Maybe it was the same study, but just about you know the fact that when you are laughing with friends, your body releases as much dopamine and serotonin as an orgasm. <laughs> you know. Yes. And like. Yes. You know, we, it's, it's funny because we had two weeks ago, we had, um, I was, I, I know I listened. Oh yeah. We had someone on the show talking about the health benefits of orgasms, which I was yes. like, tell me more. Yes, um, more. but you know, laughing with friends, I mean, you know, that's such an easy way to like monitor release. Yeah. Monitor our, our own surge of the good hormones, the good, yes. the good thing, which we need right now, especially. I know. I know. And I do think that, I mean, I, I do feel that, that loss, um, in the midst of the pandemic, because I, you know, I, I haven't hugged a girlfriend in like, you know, we've done like far away backyard get togethers or we've done zoom calls. Um, but it's, it's really not the same as that in-person, like tactile feeling and talking and chatting. And I know, I, um, I I, I feel that. Yeah. I feel that loss. Yes. Soon enough, Soon enough, soon enough, we'll get through it. All right. Well, as we close, I wanted to ask you a question we ask everyone, which is what are two things that are saving your life right now that are saving your self-care right now? This can Mm. be, it could be a book. It could be a show. It could be a candle. It could be a Mm. practice. It could be something random or something meaningful. Okay. Easy. Okay. Number (laughs) one, meditation. I, I I'm 41. I got into meditating a couple of years ago. Um, but I have, if I'm being honest, I haven't been really good at meditation until this last year. What changed? It's uh, a great question. I think, um, honestly, I think probably it was the pandemic. It's like I had, I had enough going on that I would between work and the news cycle and this book and the pandemic and just, I'm an empath. I'm just like, I feel it. I feel it all. And mm-hmm. I think, um, I just needed to figure out how to feel better and to breathe. And I actually, over the fall, I went on, I I watched Oprah. Of course, it all comes down to Oprah. I watched her on a tour last year and there was this guy, Jesse Israel, who leads the big quiet. And I, and I had connected with him during that tour. And I was like, Jesse, can you please help me teach me how to, how to meditate? He offers these sessions. And so I took a couple sessions in the fall and it's something just really clicked for me. And so every single morning, like I don't look at my cell phone. Don't tell my producers. I get out of bed. I put the dog outside and then I sit down and I deep breathe for 10 to 20 minutes religiously. If I do not do that, I can tell the difference for the rest of the day. Mm. In fact, today I had a bit of a screwy morning and I was like, I was sitting in here and makeup and I was like, Nikki, if you don't mind, I'm just going to sit here and deep breathe for about 10 minutes. And she was like, get it girl, do what you need to do. And so that really helps me massively. And number two, uh, I do this thing called the class. It is a, how would I describe the class? It's, it's a, it's a workout. So it's like, it's like a hit high intensity interval training combined with therapy combined with church girlfriend, let me tell you about this. I I need to know more. So it's a, it it was a workout class that I would go to two or three times a week down Mm -hmm. in Tribeca here in New York city, um, pre pandemic. And now it has just, I think exploded online because they offer these digital, it's the class digital studio. And so it's way more just inexpensive. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. one of those sort of bougie Manhattan things Mm -hmm. that certain people did. (laughs) And so I did it only like two two days a week, but now it's, it's really opened and all you need is a mat and your body and some water. And through these repetitive movements and using your voice, I know it sounds weird and it's especially weird when you're in the room with the other women who are like (laughs) moaning and emitting noise. And, and now I do it all. And my husband's (laughs) like, okay, she's doing the class right now, but listen, and I, every third time I'm probably sitting on my mat at the very end, like boohoo hooing about something. And I'm just getting it out. Speaking of release releases. Yeah. I need them. Oh my gosh. And this practice has been, even when I had COVID and I was sick in bed, 
I would turn the class on. So I would feel part of this huddle, this wellness huddle in my life, part of this community. And so I couldn't live without it. That's really cool. I'm going to have to check that out. I I love the hooey communal (laughs) primal screaming. It's a little woo woo, (laughs) but it's woo woo with sweat. If you're down. I mean, Hey, (laughs) we all need a little woo woo. Don't we? Yeah, we do. We do. Well, Brooke, I, um, it was such a pleasure to chat with you. I really enjoyed your book. Mm. Where Kristen, can people find you. you online? Um, let's see. You can go to my Instagram, just at mm-hmm. Brooke underscore Baldwin. And you, mm-hmm. I've got a link there and you can find the book. Basically yep. the book, so you can pre-order it. It's available everywhere. I'm really trying to give an extra shout out to the indie bookstores around the country. Yes. who have just been slaughtered in the pandemic. Absolutely. So shout mm-hmm. out to McNally Jackson in New York city. If you want to sign copy, just hit up my Instagram and you can find it there. But of course, Amazon target, Barnes and Noble, all those places yeah. you can find it as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Kristen, thank you so much. (laughs) I led in my day. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at selfiepodcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care.